Hello and welcome to Escape Pod 20, a podcast series celebrating 20 years of Escape Studios, the UK's premier VFX, animation and game art training and teaching centre. From VFX to games art, animation to motion graphics, Escape Studios is a rookie certified school, Unreal accredited training centre and Houdini certified school so you know our curriculum is of industry quality. This podcast episode covers the year 2020, the year Escape became the first Unreal authorised training centre in the UK and one of the first in Europe. With me today are two of the architects of that event, Christian Avigny, MA Tutor for Games, and Simon Fenton, Dean and Director of Interactive and Real Time. The year is 2020. Welcome, folks. How are you doing? Great, thank you. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes, nice to be here. Let's have a really good conversation. Okay, let's try. Thank you. 2020, very important year. But let's go back even further. Obviously, both of you have been uh, in the games industry for a number of years. When did you first start to hear about Unreal and how did you use it? Shall I? Right, okay, so for me, I was my first published game was Total NBA 97 and I was at the Sony studio in London but I'd been working in games for like a year and a half before then at another studio. Um, after Total NBA 97 I went to work on a football game and then went to work in this kind of R&D department which is where we started to look at different titles that we could uh, we could make and um, we were looking at different engines. So we were looking at our own internal engines, we looked at one called Renderware at the time, which was my criterion, as I remember. Um, and then there was this kind of fabled dream of using uh, Unreal Engine. But um, back then, the licensing for Unreal Engine was just beyond astronomical. Mm. So, um, you know, overall, and also many studios prefer to use their own engines. Um, and then um, after Sony, I went to Escape, um, and uh, Unreal Engine uh, 3 had just come out. Um, and it was incredible, you know. Um, and then um, the UDK came out, and that was the first time I'd actually really got my hands dirty with it. And we started immediately. The moment we could use UDK, we started teaching at Escape Studios. Right, Christian, what about you? When did you first encounter Unreal? Well, my first encounter was playing the first Unreal game that I still remember um, to this day. But working with Unreal, I think, well, I believe it was the same time as Simon. Uh, they released around 2009, the end of 2009, and then 2010. And since then, playing with Unreal on a daily basis. Okay, thank you. So tell me, though, but give me a definition for those casual listeners who may not be aware of what a, a, a games engine is. What is a, a games engine? It's basically a sandbox. It's um, a tool for you to create games. Um, having pre-done for you part of the coding, how you're going to uh, do the lighting, how you're going to do the materials, the shaders are pre-created for you, so on and so forth. So you create everything outside, like uh, your models, your textures, your sound, everything, and bring it to Unreal and assemble that. It's like a big Lego toy. <laughs> Great, thanks. Simon, have you got anything to add to, to that? I think the, the key thing about it is something like UDK at the time, but now obviously Unreal Engine 4 and 5, is that it's really, really democratised game development. And so we used to teach Unity at Escape, 
Um, and the issue we found is with Unity that you have to be able to code um, to get anything done. And we found that for artists, and we teach a game art course, that that was a real bottleneck to creativity. Um, whereas with Unreal Engine, um, you know, you're able to use node-based scripting. At one point it was Kismet, but you know, then, then became Blueprint. And so what we find is essentially this game engine is a key to the kingdom to allow you to be able to create interactive experiences. So over the years you got interested in UDK and, and uh, Unreal. Yeah. When did you start using it on the course and, and how? Oh, so I mean, the moment I could get my grubby paws on it, basically. <laughs> so almost as soon as it came out. So what we did was we had a module on a mobile module using Unity, and then for the rest of the course we used Unreal Engine or UDK at that point. Um, so, like I said, I think it's from 2009, 2010 on the games course. Yeah, my course from day one was Unreal Engine, from module one up to module five, uh, without questioning. So there you are, you've started to, to use Unreal. When did you decide to try and go for accreditation? Were you speaking to Epic all along the way? In, in terms of us becoming accredited, we met them a couple of times um, with... Um, uh, Anita Gribble, who uh, manages uh, outreach, we met um, James Butcher um, from the uh, UK um, Epic, um, who looks after education. Um, and so we, we, he came to visit the studios and we showed him the classes, uh, our fabulous studios. Uh, I think they'd already came to see our um, VFX festival. Um, and then I went to GDC, I think in 2019, um, and then had a chat with them there on the stand. Um, and that's when it, that, that's the year it all blew up. That's when Unreal suddenly just, everyone was taking notice. I've used lots of games engines. Um, yeah, I've used CryEngine, Unity, internal engines at studios. Um, but I did feel a little bit like a fanboy uh, when I was sitting in this, you know, just, oh my God, they've let me in. I'm in here, I'm talking to them, this is amazing. And they said, yeah, we'll come and see you and let's talk about how, how we can um, kind of align a little bit more and what we can do because they'd kind of seen us and they knew what we were about. So then after that, it was kind of um, talking to more people um, about what, what's required to be an authorised training centre. And it kind of moved on from there. Christian, I know, you, you know you've done loads of stuff with Unreal yourself, but also, could you give paint us a picture of what your students were doing with Unreal at the time? Well, um, the same thing basically they're doing today. Uh, the objective is to create an environment using Unreal, okay? So, we have five modules for the masters. At the end of every single module, you need to have something in Unreal. And our students have been creating for the first module uh, a mobile, top-down mobile, that needs to run on a mobile device. Um, second um, module is about creating a small section of a level. Third module is to create effects. And then you have the group project when they, uh, the students create a playable level and then the final project. But everything mm. Unreal. I believe they start teaching Unreal on the third day. And just to, just to pick up on that, the mobile project, there was always, there was always this kind of uh, argument that Unity was for mobile development. They were engineered for that. And Unreal was at the top and high-end graphics and is not capable of doing anything in the mobile space, which is not true. You know, so we found out very quickly that yeah, being able to port stuff to an Android tablet, super easy, no problems at all. And so we basically became a Unreal-only studio, I think, um, way some time ago. I think we only used Unity twice 
or three times tops in on the MA. So, so what did becoming a um, an Unreal accredited training centre give Escape Studios? What did Escape Studios get out of it? Uh, Escape Studios is um, well known for also training industry. It's like our industry connections are really, really important. It's kind of kind of our secret source, right? What makes us, I think, special because we're able to uh, teach people from industry. They're able to give us their expertise. And that relationship just informs what we do in a kind of really great virtuous circle. We really care, right? Yeah. Don't we? We really, really care about the quality of our teaching, the student experience. But we also really care about when we have when we're training uh, people from industry. Even though we're Escape Studios, we're kind of representing Epic. So we have to make sure that anything we do is in line with their expectations at a quality level. So not to say we we have to up our game. But we just have to make sure we're respectful of their content and how we deliver it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I remember probably three years ago, um, like Simon said, we usually teach people, not only students, but people from the industry. And I have the, the honor and opportunity to teach Unreal Engine to people from Double Negative and Frame Store. And although they are professionals of the VFX industry, they didn't know Unreal that well. Um, and I believe also becoming an ATC gives us the opportunity to be in line out with what Epic is currently uh, doing uh, regarding Unreal. What, what it does also for us, the other side of this, is inform um, when we're teaching, whether we're teaching at MA, undergraduate or short courses, that we are seriously up to date, you know, with the, with the latest, latest and greatest. Okay, I'm just going to ask a question there because it's very interesting because we're talking about a games engine, right? And Christian, you mentioned Framestore and Double Negative at DNEG now, um, you know, have been using our courses. Why would they want to learn a games engine? What's happening with Unreal now in, into the wider world beyond games? No, not now anymore, but everybody thinks about Unreal Engine being a games engine. That's no longer the reality. Basically, the movie industry, the television, advertisement, archivist, you name it, everybody's using a real engine to create, and here's the keyword, real-time experiences for, for the client. Imagine, I'm going to give an example, imagine you are an archivist company, you an architect, and you want to give to your client the ability to walk using a VR reality um, glass, and see how the apartment's going to look if you want to change the color of the chair or something like that. That's why Unreal Engine is becoming so important nowadays. Everything can be done in real time. Not only games, which is our speciality, but movies. Think about Mandalorian. I could, you can spend hours talking about this. The future is real time, mm -hmm. and Unreal is right there. And Simon, you've seen a, a, a lot of that happening. Can you yeah. tell us a bit more about other people apart from games companies using Unreal now? Sure, yeah, as, kind of as Christian said, there's um, you know, a whole plethora of different industries. Uh, medical simulations, um, uh, automotive industries as well, have all kind of now moving towards using Unreal Engine, this real-time engine, to enable uh, them to be able to uh, rend render their, um, and promote their own uh, industries. But uh, also there are kind of crossovers between which to say we've been perhaps we'll talk about a bit later in terms of virtual production where you've got um, 
art departments, virtual art departments, you know, the whole industry is essentially being changed by the adoption of, of this software. Yeah, and I think uh, I was very much suddenly aware of, of it last year um, when we did what's called the Summer of Unreal. And, um, you know, that was a, 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 an occasion which opened mm. uh, certainly my eyes and a number of animation professionals' eyes as well. And for those of uh, people who don't know what the Summer of Unreal was, it was uh, Escape Studio working with five partners across Europe to uh, train animation professionals from across Europe in Unreal Engine so they could take that knowledge into the animation, motion graphics and VFX companies. Unreal is the intersection between lots of different uh, uh, perhaps traditional workflows that are now being brought into a new way of working. So um, we're looking at directors and um, uh, storytellers who perhaps um, for them this is, is, this is brand new. So um, we're running a suite of courses where we're introducing people who aren't necessarily technical, but are behind you know, producers, directors, um, writers, and um, showing them um, the processes of working on a um, virtual production on a LED stage and seeing um, how, how that can work. But also from the other side, um, we're taking technical people who don't know film, film language. You know, and there's that real kind of intersection where we've got um, people who have been working in a particular way for many years, suddenly finding there's this new way of working. And it's really exciting how people are basically having to learn new skills, learn new ways of talking to each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what for us, what's really exciting is that if you, if you learn Unreal Engine, so if you're a graduate at Escape, you, five, five years ago, if you came to do the games course as an example, um, your options weren't limited. There are lots of games companies, but you know now you, you could leave Escape Studios and go and work in a virtual art department. You could go and work at Framestore, Double Negative. You could work in immersive media. You can work in games, but you could go and work as an architect and you could go and work in the automotive industry. I mean, to be an Unreal operator now is, is a ticket to a really exciting and varied career. Christian, mm. so we, we talked about how earlier Unreal was very expensive. Um, now I understand it's free, yeah. right? So what do, there might be people listening to this conversation, right, who want to get their own kit and experiment. Well, what do they need to work in Unreal at, at home, for instance? An internet connection to download the software and a computer, that's it. But now, you need to have, at least if you're going to be playing with the latest version, I would recommend a 2000 series from NVIDIA or something above that. But um, it's free, like you said. Anyone can download the engine. I do a lot of, um, we do a lot of taster days and, and talks about Unreal. When I finish, I'll say, go ahead, download. It's free. Play around with the engine. It's so easy. When Unreal Engine 4 came out, um, you could rent it for £19 a month. Yeah. Yeah, and so we were renting it for £19 a month. Um, I remember, I think I paid for it myself in the class for a couple of months. I was so keen to get it. Um, and then they made the decision that we only succeed when you succeed. That kind of really clever kind of idea. Yeah, it, I, I believe they changed it. I think it's, don't quote, or quote me on that, but I believe it's above 1 million uh, in revenue. You pay 5% back to Epic. But that's the, the point. You don't have any constraints like other softwares. If you want to study, 
everything is going to be working uh, inside the engine. If you start making money, if you make 100,000, I believe you don't need to pay anything, but it's something that you can check on the, their website. Don't quote us. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, so yeah. you're not likely to make a million uh, in the next few weeks. Well, we've got some ideas up our sleeves. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so I was going to ask, you know, the big thing that's been in the news recently for those people who, who are sort of casual observers has been the move from Unreal 4 to Unreal 5. Mm -hmm. Christian, could you tell us what the difference between those two is and why Unreal 5 might be what's called a, a game changer for people? Yeah, sure. Basically, they revamped the engine. The engine is the same thing, okay? They changed the layout. Uh, it looks more modern, more 2022. Uh, but now you have real-time global illumination happening inside the engine, lumens. You don't need to bake, you don't need to wait for the light to be calculated. You change intensity, you change the color, it's done. The light is going to bounce off the surface. It's amazing. Like, it's something that... I can, can we talk for this for hours now? <laughs> and, and the other thing, it was uh, Nanite. So, um, people who don't under, understand how games work and how to work in a, an engine don't, don't see this, but you need to make the game or the project you're doing to run at a certain frame per second, especially on VR or mobile. And you cannot have trillions of polygons running at the same time. Well, you couldn't. Now in Unreal Engine 5, polygons are no longer a problem. You can have as many as you want inside the screen at the same time. And the system, it's a really clever system, auto calculates the distance and the quality of the mesh uh, based on the distance. That word game changer, well, that you know, is often overly used, but, but it genuinely is. And, and we're finding, as we as we teach it, the transition. Um, in some regards, as, as Christian said, with lighting, you know, it's literally transformed the way we can approach lighting an environment. The industry almost hasn't caught up, and by that, you know, the the the, the applications that we use to make content hasn't kind of kept up. So, Unreal Five kind of rips up the rule book a little bit with Nanite, um, but then taking that, that, that bit of data into say a 3D package like Maya becomes really cumbersome and really difficult. Um, it, it's not able to, when, when we create the textures of a model, yeah, the, the kind of look of the material, the surface quality, we use this process called UV, which is to unwrap the model. Um, and that, it simply can't work on high, high resolution meshes. Um, even loading a mesh and doing anything to it that's that high, the, the, these other applications, some can handle it like ZBrush, others can't. So yeah, we've got this wonderful thing to work with, but actually our pipelines need to change, you know, because they're kind of looking into the future, yeah. you know, um, and so our pipelines need to take into account, you know, um, all, all of these different changes. Yeah, and that's something you're researching here. So how can I adapt? Uh, let's say the photogrammetry pipeline to work in a wheel. I generated a mesh from Reality Capture that was 55 million polygons. <laughs> My computer struggles to open that. So we need to find a way to go around because Unreal can handle that, but the other softwares can't yet. This is painting the future where you're going. Mm. Uh, and on, the, on that point as well, sort of like if people are really interested in Unreal and haven't tried it you've, you've told them how to how to sort of download it and mm. use it on their home computer etc 
But what are the good examples? What should they look out for to see amazing Unreal work that might inspire them, either in games or in film? What should they be looking at? I would recommend our games blog, so you can see what our students yeah. are being up to. Epic's site, yeah. Epic's um, own site, and their learning materials are absolutely fantastic. And they, they're updating, essentially, their blog, their news blog. It seems to be updated every five seconds with some incredible stuff. So I think that's probably point, the first point of yeah. after, after, obviously, our brilliant blog. Yes, and it's a really helpful community. You can go to the forums and ask questions. Mm. So. Uh, like I said, download the engine. Yeah, not, not to regret it. Everything that we teach and everything you learn from Unreal, whether it's um, even the latest and greatest thing, you're, you're, you understand about optimization and how to create real-time graphics. Everything you learn here will stand you in good stead everywhere else. Tell us a bit about the future, because I know, for instance, Simon, that you know, you're, obviously your world is games, but you've been appearing a lot on virtual production LED sets. Um, because you're, you know, that's become part of your world. But can you give us any hints about things in development at Escape that we can talk about uh, in the future? Is there anything you want to say? Unreal has opened so many new uh, opportunities for graduates, but also for us um, and the, the, the industries that we, we deal with. So um, in terms of new courses, um, we're looking at um, a technical art course um, the industry of technical art, if you don't know, is um, you're essentially an artist who is able to be essentially the bridge between programming and, and art in a traditionally in a video game context. So we're, we're going to be running a technical art course and in line with that also games design as well, mm. um, as well as creature design. So we're widening the remit of what, what we do in terms yeah. of the, for the games industry. For the games industry, but yeah. also for... Um, uh, virtual production mm. as and in, in, in its purest umbrella uh, uh, term you know so virtual production isn't just an LED wall mm. virtual production is a suite of tools mm. where at the intersection unreal tends to be so we're looking at creating courses that um, uh, look at the demand for skills within uh, virtual production yeah. and Christina I'm going to ask you sort of um, where do you see all this going in uh, a few years' time? Because we've seen this huge kind of incremental change, or exponential change, yes. I should say, over the last few years. What do you see happening next, uh, especially in the games industry with regard to Unreal? Since I started this journey on working with games, the holy grail for me is to play something that I cannot distinguish from reality. Like, it's like a movie. And I think you're getting there. I think what's holding us back still is not the software, but is the hardware. We still rely uh, on hardware. I'm hoping for more interactivity. That's kind of where, you know, something that uh, a real passion for me is VR. Mm. Um, I, I, well, generally, more generally, as, a, as an artist myself, I'm, I'm just more interested in, in being immersed in an environment, mm. actually being there. That's kind of like the dream for me. To Photo real feels like that, for sure, sometimes, but... You know, it's that kind of thing. I remember playing a game um, ages ago, Resident Evil 7, I think it was. It looked amazing. And then you couldn't even knock a cardboard box over. And I went, oh. There's going to be a kind of issue, though. As things get more photo real, we need to be able to affect change in that environment yeah. more and more. And so if you can't open a door, even though it has a handle, or you can't jump over a thing that's only two foot tall, then immediately that will break that kind of that level of immersion. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, we, we teach VR here and VR for me um, is really, really exciting. But where that goes and XR generally goes, I think is something, you know, that um, is going to really surprise us in the future. I think AR is going to, is really only in its infancy. Well, well, maybe for the uh, Escape Pod 30, we yeah. invite you two guys back to talk about how the future has panned out yeah. with Unreal and with yourselves. So, Christian, Simon, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.